Amen. Well, good morning, church. Wow, 2022, and that's, good morning. Good morning, church. Awesome, yes. Well, hey, my name is Chris Morgan. Um, I am uh, Brandon's twin. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, funny story about that. I was at 180. Uh, I just started working there, speaking of twins, and uh, Brandon's like, hey, come work out with me. Uh, Jordan just had a baby, Thigpen, so uh, I went with Brandon, and uh, he said, yeah, uh, when you get up front, I already told him you were here. Well, what Brandon didn't tell me was that he told the ladies up front that I was his twin and that I looked just like him. So obviously, if you know Brandon and you know me, uh, so I walk up there and like the girl up front is like looking at me weird, like I'm, I don't know, like stolen something or something. I'm like, am I okay to go? She's like, huh, yeah. And I was like, okay. And then Brandon's like, well, yeah, that's my fault because I told the lady uh, you were my twin. So uh, Brandon's full of jokes and um, I'm very excited that he asked me to preach uh, this morning. He texted me a couple months ago and was like, hey, man, will you preach on the second? He's like my boss. Like I couldn't tell him no. Like what else to say? Like, ah, oh, no, not really feeling it, Brandon. So I was like. Yeah, I'll do it. So 2022, everyone have a great Christmas though. Yeah, that was awesome. I had a good time. New Year's was great. I relaxed. That was very fun for me. Um, my mom came over yesterday and cooked some food and that was awesome. So um, I got to relax and I'm the baby of the family. So I still get treated pretty well. It's awesome. I always tell everyone uh, I'm the perfect child because there's no more children after me. So my mom got the perfect child out of the equation. You're welcome, mom. Um, also, so yeah, 2022, um, this sounds crazy, right? It's crazy to think about that. In a time where we thought there would be like flying cars or something by now, but if gas gets any higher, I'm going to be walking everywhere. So that's also the case. And then if you think about the new year, go dogs, right? Yes, that's very exciting. Vivian, we all know you're the closest one to Jesus. So slip in a little something for the national championship game, all right? Just be like, I know you prayed a lot, so make sure you strong on her a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so excited for the championship game. That's really exciting. Hopefully we can close out the deal this year. I'm very excited for that. Well, enough about that. Uh, my name is Chris Morian, like I said. I'm from the big city of Pembroke, Georgia. If you know where that is, it's like that big, all right? So I'm uh, from there. Uh, I was raised by my mom and my aunt, uh, who are both in the crowd this morning. Love you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Dinner, lunch on you guys. So uh, very excited about that as well. Uh, I've been at Connection a little bit over a year now. I actually was here in 2015. I was Olivia Sanhagen's unofficial official intern. So I actually, the first job I ever had here was in kids. Super weird. Um, it was really cool. It was just not for me. But uh, speaking of that, I'll talk about more of that later. Uh, I've been here over a year. My title is Guest and Student Experience Coordinator. That's very long. I've been trying to find a way to shorten it to sound cool. I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, so give me some time with that. And um, so with my job, my job is basically I'm over guest services. So I have the opportunity of uh, making things hospitable, decorating the lobby, getting to check in with people for the first time. And I also work with our students. So I work with middle school through college students. And that's also very exciting for me um, as well. So I've worn many hats here, um, but I'm really excited to be here. Um, other things in my life, I'm married. Um, that's pretty exciting. It'll pop up. Yeah, there we go. I'm married. That's my wife, Haley. Uh, we've been married for almost seven months. So if you need any tips, I'm your guy. I'm about to start a small group, a book. Um, I'm doing all of that. So if you need any tips, let me know. Also, I have a baby on the way. Yeah, having a boy. Woo! Yeah, y'all clap for that one. 
Look, there's nothing wrong with girls, okay? I was just, for me personally, look, I know how my wife is, so like double that would be just be hard. I'm just kidding, my wife's awesome. I'm in trouble for that one later. Also, I bought a house this year. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. So I know what you're thinking. This guy has done everything. It set him up terribly, right? I got, got married. I got having a baby on the way, and I have a new house. Like, I just went for it, right? Um, which I know is pretty wild. But I did the math in my head, and I was like, look, if I have a baby now, I could be a single empty nester by like 45.50. So I was like, why not roll my chances on that? So I was like, cool, I'll have a kid now. And some of you are like, man, you have no idea what's coming for you, <laughs> which is fine. But I love my wife very deeply. Uh, she's incredible. I'm very excited about having a son. There's a common denominator between having a house, a wife, and a kid, though. They all cost money. So it's just it's crazy. But I'm excited about that um, as well. So that'd be good. So today we're talking about commitment. Um, I know that it's a very crazy, stereotypical type sermon, right? So it's the first of the year, 2022 we're talking about commitment. So usually when you think of commitment, you think of what? You think of the gym. You know, you think you're going to, I'm going to work out today or I'm going to go the first of the year. How many of you actually went on the first of the year to the gym? Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. One, what? Two, maybe. So uh, maybe that was your resolution. Some of you, your resolution is uh, if you're a husband to actually do the dishes. Maybe your resolution as a wife is not to yell at your husband for not doing the dishes, you know, and, and maybe something like that. We all came into 2022 with expectations, things like that. But in reality is we have to be able to commit to those things. So my goal for this morning uh, is to not win you over with charm. Um, it's not to uh, win you over with good one-liners or anything like that. My goal this morning is to simply show you the heart of the Father. The one who paid the ultimate price upon a cross and to reveal to you that he loves you more than you could ever imagine. That he is walking with you through whatever stage of life you're currently in and that will never end. I simply want to show you that God loves you this morning. That's my goal this morning is to show that God loves you. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, my goal is not to preach so well that you come up to me after service and you say, hey, man, that was the most missing thing ever. You know, that's not my goal. My goal this morning is to always put the Father first. So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much for who you are. This morning, I pray uh, as we come into this time of, of worship, of the message that we just be with you. That you would open our hearts, minds uh, to receive your word this morning. Father, we love you so much. All things we pray. Amen. So we live in an ever-changing world, right? Things are constantly changing in front of us. Uh, maybe you're changing. I know I'm changing. Uh, life's changing for me as well. You know, uh, when you're pregnant, I've, I've learned that uh, you also eat as much as your wife does. You know, not that my wife eats a lot, but what I'm saying is, you know, you're good. Uh, what I'm saying is like, I didn't word that well at all. I'm sweating. Uh, what I'm saying this is like, sometimes you really like, a lot of times when she has a craving, I just go for it, right? She's like, oh, I really want chips. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I could I could probably eat a bag of chips too, you know, or like, she's like, I really want some cereal. It'll be like 1030 at night. You know, I'm like, well, how much could it hurt? You know, if she's going to suffer, I need to suffer with her. You know, that's what the Bible tells us, right? So I'm suffering with my wife uh, by eating. So a lot of times things are changing. Uh, you plan to do all these things. But one of the most famous sayings around this time of year is what? New year. New me. Okay, thank you. Yes. Participation is good this morning. New year, new me. Through all the changes we've seen, though, one thing has not changed, and that's Christ's love and commitment to us. That has never changed. 
So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to read Matthew 19 through uh, chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. Give you a second to flip to that. And this is what it says. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? All right, I don't know about you, but this guy is already showing, the young ruler is already showing what? Commitment problems, right? <laughs> Out of all the things, like Jesus is telling him, he's like, just keep the commandments. He's like, which one? Right. So his body's like, what can I get around? Right. If you think about it, like, I don't know, like college. Right. At first, you know, in high school, all your teachers are like, oh, you got to do this or college ain't going to work out. Those other stuff. Right. And then I started to realize, like, after I got to be in school, I was like, oh, OK, like, you know, I thought I would beat myself up about it. But then I was like, I got to see. And then I realized I was still going to get the degree. <laughs> and then I was like, OK. Then I was like, what can I possibly do? That's just enough. Right. I don't know if you've ever been there. Anyone else like that sometimes? Okay, you all are good people but me. Okay, fine. I get it. So I sit here and I'm like, oh, well, how far can I really do? Get along, right? In the same way, this guy is like, well, which ones? And then Jesus says this. He says, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So he's over here, he's like, oh, I've done all that. I must be good, right? And here's the real kicker. He said, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So now we see here, this guy, how many times in our life have we just wanted to have a conversation with Jesus, right? And just be like, what do I need to do in life? Anybody, anybody ever wonder like, what in the world do I need to do? Like you ever had that conversation in your head? Well, this guy has the actual conversation. He's like in front of him, like literally, he has the advantage over all of us. He's like, what do I need to do? He lays it out perfectly for him. And then he runs away sad because he has to give up what? His possessions. How many times in our life has God honestly told us something and we're, we get sad because it's not what we want, right? We're so afraid to commit. And why? Because we think if Jesus takes this away from me, we think that that's what we want, what we need. When reality, it's not. Because in reality, something's just hurt, right? Giving up stuff hurts. Commitment hurts. It's not an easy process. And since we're talking about commitment this morning, it'd probably be a really good idea to give a definition of it so that way we can all follow along. Uh, so here's the definition of commitment. It's this. Commitment is a state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc. Commitment is also an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom or action. Now we see here commitment is uh, kind of a tough word I said this morning. If you think about it in the world uh, today, think about sports. We just talk about football. We have what? The transfer portal, right? Anybody can transfer to any school, right? So if you have a quarterback and he's not happy with a coaching staff or the school or whatever it may be, he puts his name in the transfer portal, he goes somewhere else. Same thing with coaches, right? Uh, a coach, if they're, you know, if they're kind of having a terrible season or they like the AD, they put their name in. Another school hires them to make a ton of money somewhere else, right? All these things. And we laugh and we say these things are ridiculous. But if you think about it, we are no different today in the church. 
How many times in the church do we go, I'm leaving this church because their music's too loud or it's not what I like or that preacher's style is not my kind, right? Or this church has better lights than this church or better music, again, or this church has a better children's ministry, whatever it may be, right? We treat church as a carousel. In a lot of ways, that bleeds into our own personal life. So a lot of times we go about doing things a certain way and we think that, oh, well, I can make excuses for this. I can justify why I'm leaving. When in reality, there's something to justify. You just aren't committed, right? If we're being honest with ourselves this morning. And that seems like to be a big issue in our church today. Or marriage, right? Now, I'm only six, seven months in. So again, I was kidding. I'm not going to give you any advice. I'm not going to give you any tips. But how many times in our marriage, or when you think about the idea of divorce, do we go, well, that person just doesn't look the same anymore, or that person just doesn't do the stuff they used to do anymore, or we're just different people, whatever excuse we make, and then what? We cover it up, right? We say, well, I'm in this new season, or I'm doing this, or this person doesn't fit my agenda, right? A lot of times we make it about me, 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 and then we think we're really committed, but we're hiding it and we're covering it in different things. And again, it bleeds into our life. I gave you the definition of commitment, but let's focus on the latter definition, which is what? An engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Who likes feeling restricted? Right, no one. No one likes to feel restricted. I've never met a single person who enjoys tight corners or being you know, trapped against a wall. If you do, raise your hand, let me know so we can get security to take you out of here, okay? It's just kind of weird. It's crazy, right, if you think about it. We, as a society, love freedom. So my first point this morning is this. What we see as confining is God's way of liberating. What we see as confining is God's way of liberating. Or, I decided to you know, spice things up a bit, uh, it's legit to commit. All right? So that's going to be our first point this morning. It's legit to commit. Now, some of you may be skeptical, right? Some of you may be like, oh, I don't know. Like, you kind of want to know what you're getting into. Think about it. When you buy a house, I wanted to know what I was getting into. I didn't just buy it. I'd be like, all right, take, take all my money, people. No, I asked a ton of questions. You know, when I was about to get married, I had to ask a lot of questions. Not because Haley's not great, but for me too, you know, like probably more the questions are Haley about me. But, uh, you know, you have to ask these things, right? When you buy a car, whatever it may be, you ask questions. Why? Because you want to know what you're committing to. A lot of times, commitment requires awareness, but also requires trust. Now, speaking of awareness and trust, again, I uh, started just going to the gym at 180 with Brandon and Jordan Thigton. I was at the Y, but then, uh, you know, all my friends left, Chase left to go to Planet Fitness, or I like to call it Planet Weakness, you know, um, all this other stuff. And I was like, fine, I'm going to go to 180. Fine, whatever. I'll go in there. I'll bite the bullet. So I was like, I'm going to try it out for a week, though, because I'm going to do the week, make sure I like it again. Skeptical. <laughs> so... I don't know uh, if you guys know, but Brandon and Jordan are really obsessed with this guy named Corey G. I didn't know anything about this guy, but every time we have a staff meeting and we're talking, they're like, yeah, man, I've been doing Corey G. Man, it's just so hard. Oh, I just lift weights all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, boring, whatever, right? So I'm sitting here. I was like, fine, Brandon, I'll go with you. I know Jordan has had a baby. It'd be a really good bonding time for me and Brandon, right? So I go there, and uh, the first thing we do, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I work out. You know, I like to have fun. I like to be a strong guy. So we're at the gym. And the first thing he says is, we're going to do eight sets of 12. And I was like, I was like, what? You know, usually I only do like, 
you know, three sets of like eight to 10, sometimes five, you know, kind of push myself. Also, because I want to go home and recover on the couch, watch Netflix. That's how you recover your muscles, right? So I sit here and I was like, fine. I was like, no problem. Eight sets of 12, easy. You know, I'm in this voice. I'm like, I'm easy. You know, everything's good. So then I'm like, uh, he's like, yeah, we're going to put 135 on. And in my head, I'm like, 135 piece of cake. I sound like one of those weird French people, you know, like, oh, dudes, like, I was like, 135? <laughs> you know, sorry, the accent's terrible. But uh, I was like, 135, no problem. So I do the first set of 12. I'm feeling good. I crank it out. And I'm like, yeah, 12, incline bench, easy, no problem, right? We get to the second set. I do it again, but this time I'm like, oof. I'm like, child, please. <laughs> like I said there, I'm like, I was like, okay, hey, again, I don't want Brandon to think I'm some weak, soft shrimp. You know, I'm like, easy, no problem. Next set, I get nine out of 12. Not bad, but I was like, yeah, Brandon, I'll recover. I'll do the other three in my next set, you know? So I was like, I'll do 15 next time. Then I go again, I get like eight. I was like, no problem, Brandon. I'll just add more next time. And then I get to like my fifth set, I do like five. And I'm over here, I'm like, I'm done. This is stupid, right? I was like, this kind of hurts. Well, we're moving along, and then, like, I don't know, Corey G apparently likes to work out all day, you know? Like, he does, like, 12 different workouts. So I'm like, when do you have time to have a family, kids, the fun? You must be a very single man. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to come up with every excuse I can think of. I was like, maybe well, Haley will call me and say she needs me to run to the grocery store, which is terrible. I was like, I will do anything at this point to get out of this workout. Well, I'm at the very end, right, or close to the end, and Brandon's like, yeah, we still have more workouts to do, and we have cardio after this. And I look down, I've been working out for a solid, like, 80 minutes. I was like, 80 minutes? I was like, man. I was like, don't we have work to do? <laughs> don't we have to, like, talk to Jesus or something, you know, read my Bible? So I'm sitting here, and uh, we go along, and at this point, I'm, I'm in the corner. I ain't going to lie to you. Look, I'm not the type of guy to act too macho. I'm in the corner with my water bottle. I'm sucking air. I was like, someone call 911. I'm over here like, ah, ah, Jesus, mom, someone help me, you know? Tom Cruise, I don't know, you know what I'm sitting there? It's getting crazy. So then, like, Brandon's over here doing a floor press, and he's, like, getting after it. I'm, I'm over here sucking my bottle like a baby, you know? I'm like, oh, water. <laughs> like, I've never had it before. Like, it's the best drink on earth. So I'm sitting there. I'm drinking this water. And Brandon's doing the floor press, and I hear, like, this noise come from Brandon, like, Aah! and I'm like, oh, no, he needs help. I sling my water bottle, open water every day. I sling it against the wall. I run over to Brandon, and I feel, like, super heroic, right? I'm like, Aah! you know, my last minute energy left in my workout. I pick up the bar and place it down for him. And then Brandon goes, hey, man, thanks for the help, but I really didn't need it, <laughs> right? So I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I used up all the rest of my energy, right? I am totally out of it. The point of that story, even though it was long, <laughs> is simply this to show you that if you ever need awareness or trust, I'm your guy, okay? I'm here to bail you out. I'll let it be known. I'm always here to help you. But besides that, though, I think of trust in Scripture in this. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, so it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Healing to your uh, flesh and refreshment to your bones. Maybe you have trouble committing this morning because you need to trust and heal. Maybe something's happened in your life that were just so hard for you to handle that you don't know who to trust, you don't know who to talk to, and you just simply need to heal. Commitment requires trust. And the ability to heal. My second point is this this morning. What is liberating isn't always easy or 
there's a cost to not be lost. Speaking of not be easy, who's ever watched those Marine commercials, right? You know, like, it's like the kid, like, he's like a little nerdy kid, maybe like 50, 100 pounds or something in high school. He's, like, typing on the desk on his computer, and next thing he flips over, he's, like, shooting missiles from his computer, and then, like, you have, like, the girl in gym class, like, she could barely climb the rope, and then it flips over, and she's, like, climbing into a helicopter. And I was sitting there, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, like, the guy comes in with that deep voice. He's like, the few, the proud. And he's like, the Marines, you know, and you're like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is me. Right. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm that girl. I'm like, I can't get on the ladder. I'm like, this commercial is for me. So I'm sitting there. I'm in high school one day and at high school, I weighed like 110 the most, 115. It was pretty crazy. I was like that big. Right. Actually, I was supposed to play football. And the coach was like, I don't want you to die. son." And I was like, that's fine. That's cool. I don't want to die either. And you know, football's just a lot anyways. So I'll sit here, uh, it comes today, the Marine guy, he's coming in, the recruiter, he's like, fine, hey, we're going to do, uh, you know, competition just to see if you can even be a Marine, all this stuff for everybody in gym class. So at this point, I'm looking at this commercial, I'm ready. So like, this guy walks in, he's like, good morning. I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, I need a pen. Yes, sir. Paper. Yes, sir. I'm going to the bathroom. Yes, sir. I'm coming with you. It was like super awkward, right? I'm over here telling, yes, sir, to this guy multiple times. Well, they're doing this test, right? And they're over here. They're like, hey, everyone's about to do this test. You're going to do X amount of push-ups in one minute or whatever. So I'm sitting there. I was like, dude, I got this. So I get down and do my push-ups. And I'm feeling like, man, I get up. Well, how many was that? He was like 12. And I was like, hey, get them next time, you know? Plenty of other stuff to do. So I'm sitting there. We get to sit-ups, right? And he's like, you got to make X amount of sit-ups. I think it was like 50 or something in like a minute. And I was like, all right, I'm going at it. Get down there. Get going. Get doing them. They said, you know, I look up, I was like, he's like 20. I was like, get him next time. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'll keep trying other stuff. And then, like, he's like, all right, time to do pull-ups. You got to do, like, 12 or something like that. I got, like, one and a half. Um, and that's because he was just courteous enough to give me the one. Um, <laughs> so I did, like, half of a pull-up. And then, like, the final straw for me, which I knew the Marines wasn't easy, was the, the mile. They're like, you got to run a mile in, like, six minutes. So I was like, no, sir. And I was like, I'm leaving. So I left, you know. I was sitting here, and here's the thing I want you to see. Everything we do in life, committing is not easy, but in the same way, being a Marine was what? It's not for everybody. If commitment was easy, everyone would do it, right? And the thing God has called us to is hard. Being a teacher is hard, no doubt in my mind. Being a parent is hard. I don't know, but I've seen some of y'all, especially on Sunday morning with your kids. It looks hard. All right, I'll just say it. I'll just say it. I'm like, ooh. I was like, I hope I got this, right? And a lot of times, other things, everything we do, being a doctor, lawyer, teacher, all this other stuff, it is hard. Our jobs are hard. Right? But what I want to see here is that there's a cost. It's not easy. For us not to be lost in the following Jesus, there is always going to be a cost in everything that we do. So we're sitting here. Um, we have to think about other things as well. Some things are this patience. Will it happen? Right? It's that thing I want, it's the thing I need. Will it happen? Commitment also requires faith that God will see it through and confidence to know that you rest in the hands of a loving father who is with you every step of the way. So if you have your Bibles again, go ahead and flip to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. We read the scripture all the time, right? So it says what? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come um, and pray to me and I will hear you. Right? So we see here, to give you a future and a hope. A lot of times, like a football player, he'll post a scripture after he gets hurt or something, and then we like it, and we're like, oh my gosh, he knows Jesus so well. All this other stuff, right? But a lot of times, we overlook Jeremiah 29.10. So look what Jeremiah 29.10 says. It says, 
For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So a lot of times we get so caught up in Jeremiah 29, 11, saying that he knows the plans for us, that we skip over Jeremiah 29, 10 and see that's going to be what? A lot of work. It might be 70 years before Jesus does something. Here's the thing. You might just plant the seed, but you might not see it all the way through. And you have to be okay with that. How many times do we sit here and just say that verse over and over and we forget that there is work to do? Following Jesus, commanding him is not an easy task. And here's the thing. Maybe you came here this morning. Maybe some of you are in this room because that's your New Year resolution was to come to church. Maybe some of you are here this morning because of the first of the year. And you're like, it's the right thing to do. A lot of times we treat this Sunday as like a dead Sunday, right? It's like you get the random student pastor to preach. And then we pray for the best that Brandon will be back next week. And that's when church really starts, right? That's not the case this morning. This Sunday is for somebody in this room. And guess what? Each and every week we are here is not a dead Sunday. If you think this church is dead and you are in the wrong stinking place, this church is alive and it should be every single week. Because here's the thing you don't realize. It's not only someone's first here, it's also someone's last. Someone's first and last opportunity to come here this morning. Someone is in this room and they're like, this is the last chance I am giving on God because I feel like I have been... uh, you know, destroyed by the world. I've done everything right. And God doesn't love me or he cares about me. And he does. And it's saying we're so here for the first time because they've been skeptical for a while, right? Because all we hear about the church is that the church is full of what? Hypocrites. And they're here for the first time. We set the tone every single week. So if you come into this place this morning just to hear a sermon and to feel good, you're in the wrong place with me. I'll just let you know, to be honest, I want you to be here and I want you to be a part and commit to everything God has for you because God is good all the time. Amen. He's so good to us. And here are some of the scriptures I think about my moments of doubt, fear, whatever it may be. It's Psalms 37, five, it says this, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I will live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ gave himself for what? You and me, right? He gave himself, why? Because he loves us that much. Christ loves us that much that he would give himself upon a cross, take our place. And for some of you this morning, I, I kind of wonder and question, has it really hit you that way yet? that God would send his only son to come and take your place. We sing about it a lot. We talk about it on Easter. A lot of times we come here every week, we hear a song and we clap out there every song because that's what you're supposed to do, right? That's the church proper etiquette, whatever that is, right? You're like, oh, I'm supposed to clap here or I'm supposed to say amen here, right? Or you come into this place and a lot of times we get so caught up in routine that sometimes we become so dead. We sing that last song. It's like, what should I gain from this reward? I cannot give an answer. That should move you. That should rivet you to knowing what? That God is so good to us. Another scripture I think about is Psalm 109, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. How beautiful it is to know that there's a father who's fighting for you and me every single day. That everything in front of us, God is taking care of. That your word is a lamp into my feet. You don't have to know where you're going. But you have to be able to trust God. 
right? You don't have to know the destination, okay? A lot of times in life, we're so caught up in what? The instant. We want it now. We want the results, right? It's like, okay, I did like 10 sets of ab crunches. Why do I not look like a model, you know? Or like, I did like 10 sets of arm curls. Why are my arms not bigger than my shirt, you know? I should be buying 2X shirts now, whatever it may be. We care so much about the instant that we, can't, we forget about the work and the journey and how beautiful it is that God is doing in our life. God is doing the work in you right now. Rather, if you see it or not, he is moving. He is working. Do I always know where I'm going or what I'm doing? Absolutely not, right? Some days I'm like, ooh, what am I doing? Uh, this is tough, right? I have no idea what fatherhood looks like. I have no idea how to navigate that. But do I know who is over me and taking care of me and my son? Christ. And that gives me comfort. That brings me peace. And that should bring you peace as well. You don't have to know the destination, but you should trust in God and commit to him in everything that you do. Has this journey always been what I wanted? No. But has it been better than anything I could ever imagine? Absolutely. It's been better than anything I could ever imagine. If you would have told me that a small kid from Pembroke, Georgia, would go to Atlanta for a couple years and be a part of some cool churches and then come back here essentially to a hometown and be part of a staff and a church he enjoys and loves, I would have told you, no way, right? When I first moved to Atlanta, people were like, dude, you're from Pembroke. You're going to be back like next year, right? Well, I lasted there for three years. And I moved back because of COVID. And, you know, there's just too many people. So I was like, nah, y'all ain't getting me, right? So I was like, I got to move back. I was hanging out with mama. It's going to be cool, right? But I want you to know that when you trust in God and follow his plan, everything would get taken care of. I had no idea what I was doing in Atlanta, right? There were some days I was like, man, there's a lot of city people. They have this nice jargon. Like sometimes when I would be on stage singing or preaching, I'd be like, man, that person just looks better to me. They look cooler. None of that matters. God uses everybody. And if you're afraid to be used because of your looks or what people may think about you, you might as well go ahead and let it go. Because guess what? People always talk. Everybody's got a mouth and everybody uses it. All right? Just to let you know. And if you don't think you're susceptible to talking about gossip, you are highly wrong, my friend. We all are capable of doing things we never thought we would do or say. Here's the thing. Losing, uh, committing to Christ, you will lose things. You'll lose friends, family, jobs, money, etc. You will lose things coming and committing to Christ. Because there's a cost, but the return is very much worth the investment. It's very much worth it. More than anything you could ever imagine. But third and final point this morning for you this morning is this. What is easy suddenly produces what is fruitful. What is easy suddenly produces what is fruitful. Or just because it's sweet doesn't mean it's a treat. Right? So we, we all know the story of Adam and Eve. Right? We all know that story, right? Uh, they they kind of had one rule, right? It's kind of like that guy who has one job, right? He has one rule. You eat anywhere you want, just don't eat for this one tree. I kind of think about it like par par uh, parenthood, right? Again, I don't know. But I've seen some of y'all being like, look, you can do whatever you want, just don't do this, right? And then your kid does what? That one thing you don't ask them to do. Now, my mom never had to worry about that, right? Usually I was in bed by night reading my devotional, doing things like praying to God. I was never out late partying or anything like that. But for other kids, you know, they were bad kids. A lot of times you sit here and they say one thing and then they would do another. But how many times in our life has God just told us, if you would just trust me and commit to me, you'll be taken care of. And then we do the opposite. Think about it in dating. God's clearly told you that guy or girl ain't for you. And then you date them, and then you get hurt, and you're like, God, why didn't you, why'd you let me do that? And it's like, okay, he told you. He gave you a sign. A lot of times in our society, we ask for signs, right? But what's the main thing Christians always say? I just need a sign. I just need this. 
And then God tells you something, and you're unhappy with what he tells you. Let's read Revelations. I'm going to end with that. You'll be here in the end. I know when you think of Revelation, you think of like something weird or scary, like, oh, repent or you're all going to burn in hell this morning. But I feel like that'd be an awful thing to start off my sermon with. I feel like everybody would have left. But I want you to see this in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says this. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. You will not know what hour I come against you. Yet you still have a few names of Sardis, people who have not spoiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out in the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I want us to see here, in the beginning of Sardis, right, this church has this reputation. A lot of times in our society and world, we love a reputation. But here's the thing. Reputation is only as good as long as you are popular, okay? Once you're popular, it's out the window. It's kind of like in high school, right? A lot of times you peak. It's like, oh, man, this couldn't get any better. You're like, I was valedictorian or I was a star football player, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to college and you realize everyone's that, right? Everyone's a valedictorian. Everyone was a star football player. Everybody was a cool cheerleader, basketball player, whatever it may be. And you realize that you are just a normal human being. Right? Sometimes life hits people really hard. Right? For me, I, I already knew. Because here's the thing. I wasn't that cool in high school. So I was like, look, my odds of being cool at college are even smaller. Right? So for me, I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about this. This is fine. But a lot of times we get so caught up in how we look. Right? We, and here's what he's saying about this church of Sardis. He says, you got the look. You got a look that looks like Jesus. You have a vocabulary that sounds like Jesus. But in reality, you're dead. So basically what he says is, you look like Jesus, you sound like Jesus, but you ain't Jesus, right? How many times in the same way do we walk into this church every week? We look the part, we sound the part, but we are nothing like Jesus, but we are dead. We commit to coming in here an hour every week and that's it. We say, all right, I would give my hour because maybe I'm forced to be here. It's the right thing to do. And then the rest of the week we live whatever life we want. And then we expect Jesus to talk to us and all these things when in reality, he should be a father, but we're treating him like an ATM. He should be a father, but we turn him into an ATM. We go to him when we need something. And that's the only time we talk to Jesus. In the same way, maybe this morning it's the same way in your marriage or life. You only talk to your wife when you, when you want something, right? You're only going to do this good deed because I want something in return. When reality is you should be doing good things for your wife all the time. Right? Or you, same thing with your husband. You should be having conversations. Encourage them. Or I'm going to buy this gift for my kids so they just love me more. Right? We do this to try to impress people. When reality is we should be trying to fit our lives to Jesus. Maybe this morning you struggle with commitment because you want to live a life worthy unto others when you should be focused on living a life worthy unto God. We're so focused living for other people that we forget to live for the one true God. And as Chase comes out, we'll wrap up with this stuff here. Maybe you've experienced hurt and pain and misery. You just don't think you can do it again. Maybe some of you are experiencing it right now, and you're extremely close to giving up, right? Some of you are so close to giving up 
because you experience so much hurt and pain and misery. You just don't know what to do. And maybe this morning, I know what you're thinking about this idea of commitment sermon that like, oh, he's going to come in here and just preach uh, on uh, serving and money because that's what you do when you talk about commitment. Well, some of those things are true, right? You should be committed to giving and serving. But how many times like the church of Sardis do we make excuses, right? We say, well, I can't serve in KK because I'm a mom. I've been a mom all week. The last thing I want to do is take care of other people's kids. Or you say, I can't serve in kids because, well, that's a woman's job, ain't it? I'm supposed to just be here. I can't serve in kids. We make excuses over and over for things when the reality is there are people that come every single week, single moms and other stuff that are struggling, and you can be the answer. You can be a blessing to someone else, but you don't want to do it because you come up with excuses. Or you say, I already work five days a week. If I, Saturday's my only day off. I can't come on Sunday because Saturday's the only day I have, and that's for watching football and drinking beer on the couch. We make so many excuses why we can't serve. We say, well, it's inconvenient for me. The last time I checked, I don't think Jesus dying on the cross was convenient. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad or make you feel guilty, but there was nothing convenient about a father sending his one and only son to take your place upon a cross. There's nothing convenient about that. So the least we can do is give up an hour to two hours of our week serving the body of Christ. Your body. Look around. These are your body. This is your family. These are your people. This is all you have. And you should give your very best to that. I'm not telling you to be committed because it makes me look good, right? I don't get a raise if you get saved or if you start serving in guest services next week. No one's going to go, well, dang, Chris, three people, here's a little change. No one's doing that. This is my job. I'm committed to it because why? Because the gospel matters. People matter. The people around you matter this morning. There's people over there in the corner and over right here are fighting battles that you have no idea about. Everyone is going through something and we should be committed to doing our very best to serve and to be there for them. I'm committed to the gospel, not because of me or because I want to look good or I want likes on Instagram or whatever. I'm committed to the gospel because people matter. I'm committed to be a better pastor for students because that matters. I think about the future here. I think about John and his kids, Chase and his kids. I think about so many other kids that are going to one day step into the student ministry. And the most I want to do is be committed and be the best version of myself I can be. Because if there's one thing you don't know, if you think you can get through life by yourself this morning, you are so wrong. It takes a village. It takes a group of people to be committed to the gospel and to each other this morning. Because that's what matters most. So many times we get caught up in the idea of success, right? We think we got to have a nice house. We got to have like two or three kids and they have to take the perfect Christmas photo or whatever it may be, right? And we think that's the dream. How foolish are we that we would call that the dream? That we don't think about the eternal purpose of why we're even here. It's to make the kingdom bigger, to make disciples of all people, of all nations, of all tongues. It has nothing to do about your Christmas photo or how well you're put together or your success or how much money you have. It's all about him. It's nothing about you. We get so caught up in all the wrong things, and I know I do myself personally at times. But I'm thankful for the love God's given me. I think about that song we say where he's like, what should I give from this reward? I cannot give an answer. And sometimes I can't. I can't give an answer. Why? Because he's just been that good to me. 
Jesus has been that good that he would take his holy place, Paul the cross, that he would die for me and my sin, that he would take my place, your place. Why? Because he loves you more than you could ever imagine this morning connection. So in the case of giving up, don't do it. Committing Christ is still worth it. It's so worth it. Maybe you're on the other side of commitment. You screwed up, right? Maybe you messed up a million times and you're wondering, how could God love me? How could God use me? Why should God use me? You ask all these questions. Here's the thing. Not only is God a healer, he's a restorer. And he's more powerful than you could ever imagine. You can run to all the things to try to get over uh, the depression you're in or the anxiety that you have or the guilt you may have, but only one thing will suffice, and that is Jesus. Jesus is all you need. He should be all you want. And I'm not telling you this to sell you something good and to leave you hanging. I'm telling you because I'm living it now. I made a commitment to Jesus a long time ago. It's been the best thing I've ever done. Because he's step of the way. He's filled me up. He's picked me up out of my clay. He set my feet upon a rock to do these things. Oh, what a gift it is to know Jesus. Oh, what a gift it is to follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords every day. All I can hope for is for my son. Uh, so when he comes one day and said, I'm a good father. I pray for that a lot. Probably more than you could ever imagine. Right? It overwhelms me. Uh, not having that in my life, a lot of times I'm wondering, like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to be a good father? Can I make these things work? In reality, it's like, good, I thank the Lord at night that I don't have to rely on my own strength. That he's going to be with me along the process in every single way. He's just that good. Rather if you believe it, rather if you want to believe it, I don't know what to tell you other than come to him. Come to the Father this morning if you don't know Jesus because it is worth more than you could ever imagine. It's a gift. It's free. You don't have to pay anything for it. Christmas time, you have to spend a ton of money, right, to get the gift. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to stand in line. You don't have to do any of those things. You just have to come to him and be genuine in everything that you do. It's simple. God is so good. So if you, if you screwed up this morning, join the club. <laughs> no one in this room is perfect. No matter how much they try to put on a scene or whatever it may be, no one in this room is perfect. We all have struggles. We've all fallen short. But thank God for new mercies every single day. Christ a long time ago made a commitment for you, for me, to go upon a cross and take our place so we can live. He endured mockery, beating, so we could live and not hide in darkness. He proclaimed the famous words, it is finished, to show the world that death has lost its grip on us and that we can be free and that we don't have to live in shame anymore. Oh, how deep the Father's love for us, that he would do such a heroic thing. Jesus didn't pay the price for us to only be a Christian on Sunday, to only give our best Monday through Friday and take the weekends to ourselves. Or to only be a good spouse when convenient or with other things. He paid the price for us to be fully committed all the time. So my question in closing as we wrap up is who do you want to be? Who do you want to be this morning, Connection? Do you want to be a, in a place where you're just dead, a club full of popularity? Or do you want to be a ministry full of life and commitment to Jesus? So my charge to you, there's two type of people in this room this morning. My first is this. Maybe you've been coming to this church for years. Maybe you're trying to figure out 
What do I do next? What's my next step? Well, good news for you, the guy who does guest services is preaching this morning. All you have to do is step out to the next steps table outside. Write your name on a card. It takes five seconds, okay? Look, no one's going to spam your emails, right? Just write your name on the card and say, I just need to take my next step. Whatever that may be, serving, giving. Maybe you're scared to give because you don't have a lot to give. I just pray this morning that you give your best. If $10 is your best, I know Christ looks on it with joy. Because it's your best. There's no difference between the $100 best and the $10 best. It's your best. I promise you, through Jesus, that $10 goes further than you could ever imagine. And as you know, you're able to give more and more time, things like that, it changes. You know, time is the only currency you can't get back. It's the only currency you can't get back. You have one life to live. I'm not trying to sound like one of those youth pastors at the end of the night who's like, do you know where you're going? You know, if you walked outside and got hit or whatever, maybe that was like super scary when I was a kid. But what I'm saying this morning is true. You don't know what's next. You don't know what the next hour brings. Death comes like a thief in the night. We don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what next week holds. So my, my charge to the other people in this room is this. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you came here and you're just like, man, I'm so nervous that if I raise my hand that someone's going to judge me or someone's going to think about it, let me tell you, it doesn't matter. Because there is a God who is with you every step of the way who is going to guide you on this process, this journey. It's the best journey you could ever imagine. So my question to you this morning, if, they, if you don't know Jesus and you came in here this morning and you want to know him and you want to have a genuine relationship with a father who is going to always be with you every step of the way, just raise your hand for me this morning. If you just need Jesus, if you just want to know who he is, just raise your hand. No pressure. All right. But here's the question. Who do you want to be? I know it's easy to start off this year in this process of uh, just sitting around and uh, just going along, right? We're like, well, last year wasn't so great to me. 2020 kind of messed everybody up. I don't know why I should even worry about trying this year. You should. Give your all. Give your best. The Father is good. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Maybe you need to be committed to be a better husband. Maybe you need a better wife. Maybe your commitment is to be a better brother, sister, a better mother, father, whatever it may be. Christ is with you. For those of you who feel alone, that are single or whatever you may be going through, Christ is with you. Christ doesn't love you any less because you're not married, right? Or divorced, whatever it may be. Christ loves you. He's so good to us. And that should give us hope for our future. I'm excited. I'm excited for the things to come in 2022. Not because I have things to look forward to, but because I know I am in the hands of a sovereign God who's with me every single day. When I wake up in the morning and I rise, I don't have to be called by my sin. I'm called son. I'm adored. I'm appreciated. I'm loved. Oh, the joy of being in the hands of the Father. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray that we are moved to take action, um, that we are not just focused on ourselves, but that we are focused on you. 
that we would give our very best this morning to be committed to a good, good Father. That we'd be committed to our church, that we'd give our all. On the days where we feel like giving up, on the days where we feel like no one is there for us, I pray that we quote scripture, that we would change our mindset to know that God is with us every step of the way. Father, you are so good to us. Even when we are not faithful, you are still good. And I am thankful for that. I pray as a body that we move forward in 2022 to make the world know until every person knows who you are. That we will find an area to get plugged in. Uh, that we will find a group to serve. In. That if, if, if we're a lady and we feel alone, that we would sign up for the refresh retreat. That we would find community there. That for your couple or single, whatever it may be, that we would find a small group, sign up for a connect group. That this morning that we would step outside of our comfort zone and give our best in giving. That we don't look on the shame of the amount on the dollar sum, but we know that God's going to use that money more than we could ever imagine. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. And all these things we pray. And his body said, amen.